Lamentations 3.19 through 26. I will be reading from the New Living Translation. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. When I was in uh, college, I learned this new song that I'd never heard before. First verse went like this, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Inspired by Lamentations, Book of Lamentations. Lamentations is a companion book with Jeremiah, both written by Jeremiah. Uh, Lamentations, call, so called because it's uh, a lament, hence Lamentations. Five chapters, one poem constitutes each chapter. So five chapters of lament, poetic lament on the part of Jeremiah. So I, I can't think about what was going on without Jer to Jeremiah without thinking about what's going on in our world, what has gone on in our world. I wrote this a few weeks ago, and so at that point, Hurricane Ian had not struck Florida. So I have those images in my mind. I have images of people who spent all night in the storm waters, hanging on to something for dear life and later rescued. I, I have pictures in my mind of people who are staring at a pile of sticks that used to be their home. And those are important images. I brought today images from Ukraine. And so, Jake, would you, yeah, Jake, would you start um, showing those? So that's what I want you to think about. Because that's what Jeremiah was thinking about. That's what Jeremiah was living with. The Babylonians had swept down into Judah from, from uh, the northeast. They had uh, raised the city of Jerusalem. They had just made a mess of it. Destroyed the temple. Temple was no longer there until the Roman Empire and it was rebuilt at that time. Walls were broken down. There was nothing to defend the city when the Jews later came back during uh, the Persian period. Jeremiah watched all of that happening. Jeremiah was like standing in Florida during the hurricane. Jeremiah was like any Ukrainian listening to bombs fall on their cities. Or we could say, what about the, the, the Uyghurs in China that uh, have their lives completely upset by the, the Chinese government? What about Al-Qaeda and what it does? What about 
the young women <clears throat> that are forced to wear a burqa, forced to stay indoors, forced not to have a voice? What about some of the women that cannot drive, uh, cannot go to school, have no rights? What about Hitler? What about Kristallnacht, night of glass, night of broken glass, when the Jews swept through the towns and broke in the windows of every Jewish business? What about Dachau? Bev and I have been there. Or Auschwitz. That's Jeremiah's mindset as he lives and tries to make sense. Jeremiah and Lamentations do not read like Pollyanna. They, they don't. They, they are the most real representations of what was going on in the world. They read more like something from Doctors Without Borders or, or the, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs and their uh, monthly publication. Jeremiah had been warning his people about this. He'd, he'd warned them, he'd raised his voice, sort of like shouting about climate change. We, uh, I was listening to uh, NPR or some, another news station, and this morning they were talking to uh, a person who uh, said, well, now that we've had this hurricane in Florida, we really need to do something about this climate change. And that's probably what the Jews would have said as Babylon started appearing on the horizon. We really need to start listening to the Lord. We really need to start doing what the Lord wants us to do. It's too late at that point. Jeremiah, through this period of time, enacted parables. He, he lived out parables. In one of them, God says, I want you to go down to Mervyn's, Jeremiah, and I want you to buy a loincloth, a linen loincloth, and I want you to wear it. And after, after you've worn it, I want you to take it down to the, to the river, and I want you to hide it under a rock. Sometime later, God says, go back to the river and get that loincloth that you, you hid under the rock. And the loincloth is, is dirty and wet and moldy and, and it's got holes in it. Jeremiah takes that to the people and he says, this is what's going to happen to us. On another occasion, Jeremiah takes some of the city leaders down to the Valley of Hinnom. That's where we get the word Gehenna from. That's some of the hell image, imagery uh, comes from the Jews and their, their, their view of the Valley of Hinnom, which was uh, the city dump, always smoke rising up. But it was also the place where they took their little children and offered them in sacrifice to Baal, Valley of Hinnom. And he tells them, he says, you know, this is what's going to happen to us. And he's got this jar, this pottery jar, and he smashes it as they stood there overlooking the Valley of Hinnom. You'd think that they would get the message, wouldn't you? And then he wears a yoke around through town. Boy, that had to look strange. 
This is what's going to happen to us if we don't live as the Lord wants us to do. My subject's really not babbling, but I want to put you in a mood. I want you to think about it. I want you to wear it this morning because we're going to talk about lament. I think Jeremiah would tell you that it was faith alone that helped him get through that period. Standing in the middle of Ukraine, standing on one of those shelter islands around Florida that's just smashed. Jeremiah would have said, the steadfast love of the Lord is what I depend on. That's who, it's what Amanda was saying to us this morning. How do you do it? I don't know. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Jeremiah says, I, I will never forget this awful time, and I grieve over my loss. My beautiful city that I love so much, and it's no longer here. Last week when, when Joel and I were talking about this, I told him about this song and, and the important part it had played in my life, and we sang it this morning, and I was going, yes! So I'm so glad you got to experience that and think about that. Based on our Western experience, I, I think some people read Lamentations, even Job or Ecclesiastes, and sort of think about complaint. They, they sort of cross lament and complaint, and they're not the same thing. I'll tell you how Job and Ecclesiastes ends in a minute. But I think this is, is a fairly good definition of complaint. Complaint is completely self-referenced. Complaint has a lot of poor me. I suffer so much. Oh, that's the spirit of complaint. It's, it's pity party. I might add as an aside, none of us likes to be around a complainer, do we? You just feel like you've been rained on. Lament is completely powerless. It accomplishes nothing. It, it kind of feeds on itself. Complaint ha even has that effect of driving people away when, when we're so self-focused. Lament, on the other hand, is expression of grief and sorrow. I learned a new word. I had a friend named Lane. Lane was in her 80s, and uh, she was in her 80s when she called me that day in Lodi, and she, she said, Bruce, how are, how are you? How are, how's Bev and the kids? And we talked. And then she said, I'm dying. And I was just wondering if, if I could write you occasionally, and would you mind that? And I, I said, no, not at all. I would love that. 
and it became, began a, a three-year uh, pen pal, even though Lane was a, an old friend, we knew her and, and Don, her husband, and, and Lubbock when we were there. So three years of, of writing her, of talking to her on the phone. One day, uh, I don't know exactly when this was in the conversation, but one day, in the relationship, but one day she told me that she had been keening. And I, that was not a word I'd ever used or I was even familiar with, keening. What's keening? Well, keening is something like wailing, something, something like crying just uncontrollably. It's like overcome with emotion. That's keening. It may have come at the point at which uh, she asked me my opinion on uh, she had friends who she was not going to live. That was not in the cards. That was not going to happen. But she had friends who were trying to get her to prolong her life, let the doctors do this, let the doctors do that, and she didn't want to. And she said, what do you think? And I said, your body wants to do what it wants to do, Lane. It's up to you. It's not up to anyone else. And I told her this in a long letter. And, and she got the letter and she let Don read it. And, and Don, she, she told me later, she said, Don just wept and wept at reading the letter. But not because he was sad that I had written it, that you know, dadgum that Bruce, why did he write, why did he mess with my life like that? It wasn't that, it was, it was grief. It was his own version, really, of keening. Lament is the expression of powerlessness. It's what a Jeremiah does when he looks at at his broken down walls and wonders, what do I do? Or it's a Floridian today who, who says, what am I going to do? One guy said, I lived on a houseboat and my houseboat is not even there anymore. What am I going to do? That's lament. Lament is, is grief over some loss and you don't know what to do with it. And lament is a plea. I think, uh, I have no official definition to give to you, but I think lament of the biblical sort is God-centered. It's saying to God, I'm, I'm so overcome by what I feel right now, and I don't know what to do with it, and I need your help. I think that's biblical lament. Biblical lament begins at God and ends with God. So back to Job. Job sitting on his ash heap, covered with sores. And Job is this extended lament. Look at my life. I've lost my children. I've lost my house. The only thing that I've got left is my complaining wife. And the book ends after God talks to him. I put my hand on my mouth. I have no more words because you have spoken to me. 
And then the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, we call Koheleth, but Koheleth spends the whole book going, I tried wine, uh, wine, women, and song. I tried it all. I built beautiful gardens. I did this. I did that. I got a new college degree. None of it worked. And at the end, he said, you know what it really all boils down to? Fear God and keep his commands, for that is the whole duty of man. Koheleth not so much begin with, but his, his lament ends with God. Job ends with God. Jeremiah ends with God. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. There's a hopelessness that accompanies complaints. Complaint is leaving an anonymous note on someone's desk. Complaint is flipping someone off in traffic. Complaint focuses on the object of frustration, but it doesn't make it better. Never makes it better. It's sour grapes. It just always complains, always whines. Complaint is only getting it off your chest. There are some times when you need to do that. But for the most part, complaint, you can't live there. You can't continue to complain about your life or about the things that you want to do. You lament about it. You turn it over to God and go on with your life. Lament is a recognition that something is not right. Maybe that's the, the only similarity between complaint and lament. But lament admits there's a loss. Lament might even be something I'm lamenting because I did it. So there could be an element of repentance in that. Lament is not venting the spleen. It is not that. It is never that. Lament is vulnerability. It lays one's life bare. Lament is letting God and others into interior spaces of our lives. Lament is not self-willed. It's more like a plea. It's more like I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. I've lost a child or I've lost a spouse or I've lost a job or, or I'm sick. You name it. You can hear the plea in Jeremiah's voice as he watches Jerusalem being raised. I think about the, the early in, in the early days of the war when all those young women got on a train and waved goodbye to their husbands who couldn't leave. They had to go fight in the war and they didn't know that they would ever see them again. That's lament time. That's when you sit in your train seat and cry. And you hear the, the plea in that. But 
most churches don't talk about lament. In fact, most people don't talk about lament. It's not a cheerful subject, is it? You know, we want somebody to tell us something cheerful. But what do you do? How do you deal with things when, when you, at your moment, have, have just been stripped down to nothing? What do you do? The beautiful thing about the Bible is it gives us such wonderful models of things like this. Lament, the lament says, yes, you're powerless. Lament says, yeah, at this moment in time, it doesn't look like there's any, any reconciliation of this. But lament also says, Lord, it's yours. Let's pray. Oh God, hear our lament. In this life we suffer outrageous fortune over which we have no control. We weep, we agonize, we feel hopeless. We pray for you to step in and help us. Bring peace to our land. Order our marriages and relationships. And restore obedience to our disordered lives when we don't live the way we should. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.